0: Here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. Auntie. And Neil McCrady. I deserve to be on TV.
2: Welcome in. Wednesday edition Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Palm, Neil McCrady, Clark Ford Studio here this morning. Mike Griffith, who covers the SEC, will join us in about 10 minutes or so. We'll uh, talk plenty of football today, heading into Ole Miss and Kentucky Saturday, 11 o'clock from Balt Hemingway Stadium. Keeping an eye on the uh, hurricane, Hurricane Ian, moving toward the Florida coast as uh, as we were recording this, just after 8 o'clock this morning. So keep an eye on uh, that. I see in the stream a couple people uh, discussing that as well. So yeah, big big day, huge uh, one of the projection-wise, really severe. Hurricane headed toward toward the coast. So, that uh, that more today on the show. Pretty packed day on MPW Digital. So, we'll um, take you through here this morning. The Oxford Exxon, the Oxford Exxon podcast. Highway 6 West in Oxford. Red beans and rice is your lunch special today. Any size fountain drink, bread, and more We've got a great hot case pork chicken side items desserts and when you go in remember any purchase also uh, allows you to enter the contest to win an official Ole Miss game day football jersey giving out seven of those this season including one from Ole Miss and Kentucky this weekend so go in make as many purchases you would like every time you make a purchase that's a new int- entry possibility for those jerseys with the Oxford Exxon Again, from the Clark Ford studio, we are uh,
3: Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours, right to to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote and uh, the rest is up to you. Shop that quote around, do what I've done, what I recommend that you do. Let's hop into a Clark Ford today. Um, Corey wants to be a car guy must be a truck guy, they'll prove to you what that means when you make the call, 662-257-1900 is that number, Uh, let's see, I don't have the right thing up here to tell you about Rafters, Mike Griffith and others will join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline, Uh, Rafters on um, Friday, Rafters presents Barstool Sports Sleep. i gotta get this. got to get this right. Cause I Yesterday, don't, I don't you just had memo- it.
2: Yesterday, it was memorized.
3: Barstool Sports <sighs> Sleep When You're Dead Tour with Brianna Chicken Fry. The party starts at 8 p.m. with Rafters own DJ Drum, then turns all the way up, all the way up with DJ Vinny Vibe. Vinny Vibe, of course, one of the most charismatic and talented DJs, producers, and the whole country. Best known for his dance, pop, anthem Seven Seas, Dirty Little Secret Remax. He's got multiple residencies at the top, nightclubs in the whole country. Showcases his skills with his weekly radio show, Good Vibes Radio, on Sirius XM, Pitbull's Globalization Channel 13, also syndicated on various stations throughout the world, featuring mixes from some of the world's biggest names in EDM. Brianna Chicken Fry will be there doing her thing, too. Can't wait for that. VIP tickets have been sold out, but general admission will be available at the door. There'll be a pop-up shop with merch at rafters from 4 to 6. So uh, come join Chase and uh, all the gang for the biggest party in Oxford, the Barstool Sports
2: Sleep When You're Dead Tour. I'd much rather do that one than the one couple hours south that is being uh, put together and planned for nil purposes. Whenever that date is, yeah, the, the yeah the Stark the Stark villain one. Yeah, <laughs> all the tickets got bought by a donor. Do they? Yeah, got covered there to make sure that's yeah, all right. Yeah, it's usually a sign when a donor buys all the tickets. Yeah. We just got a few minutes before we go to uh, go go to Mike. I found this interesting. The Athletic ranked the 20 Super Bowl winners since 2002. Um, put them into a really data-driven analytics thing, and from a from a sheer number standpoint, how they would uh, they would they would factor against one another or against other teams from these last 20 years. Basically, they took every NFL team over 20 years, put them into a computer program, and then spit out the rankings. Mm-hmm. Number 20 on this, Eli Manning's 2007 New York Giants, considered the weakest Super Bowl champion of the last 20 years. Okay. But what is fascinating about that is that from a overall season standpoint, they were the 30, 333rd best team over the last 20 years in the way the system works. The Patriots that they beat in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. Uh, so three thirty three beat one on that day. Brady, in
3: in his documentary, still says that was the best team he ever played on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, they're I, I mean, yeah, they're they, right there.
3: That's why they play the games
2: on on the field. They do because you never know. Peyton's Broncos out in fifteen is number nineteen. By the way, <laughs> so they're the bottom two on that uh, on that list. They get rings. Yeah. No, no, no negative there. Again, no. it's it, it, it's among the elite. Ranking those. So, yeah, that's why you uh, – look, if you're good enough to make the playoff, you, you take a shot. The Rams' Super Bowl winners last year um, were ranked 54 spots. I think 54. Maybe I was wrong on that number. But I think 54 spots lower or worse than their Super Bowl team that lost to the Patriots after the Saints' pass interference thing. So from a sheer number standpoint, their Super Bowl losing team was considerably better than last year's team. The top five, the Patriots in 2004, tied at number one with the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. The 2014 Patriots number three, the 09 Saints number four, and the 2020 Buccaneers number five. Oh. The five best Super Bowl winners over the last 20 years. So. The 2006 Colts, did you cover number six?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I saw the Colts. Or were the or were the is the Bears team that lost the Super Bowl? where they ranked?
2: Uh, well, I mean, they are somewhere, but somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah, yeah. it is not. It is not say um <laughs> where they are from who they beat.
3: Uh, a lot of content up at rebelgrove.com dot com this morning. Chase has a story on Quinshawn Judkins and um, his uh, statistical challenge. A lot of talk about running back injuries this week. Here's the truth. I don't know. Got burned on injury stuff last year. Not going to get burned this year. Um, There's talk about whether uh, Zach Evans has a hip pointer or not. I think he probably does have a hip pointer. How bad is that hip pointer? Can he play? I don't know. Uh, Things sound a little less optimistic for uh, Ulysses Bentley IV, but I don't know that to be true. Um, My sources indicated that Caleb Warren's going to, play on Saturday and give it a go but that he is injured um, I don't know about J.J. Pagese and yesterday Austin Keys was awfully coy about uh, the status of Cardi Coleman there's your
2: injury update I have a feeling Austin Keys knew not to say a freaking word in any direction
3: right I would bet most anything that as he walked <laughs> to the media room those were the exact instructions don't dare. Don't say anything. Uh old Mrs. Player interviews more and more become utterly useless from a writing standpoint. Just being real. I mean I got I turned Malik Heath into something. I I'm only because I've done this for a long time. Anyway, that's up. Uh, I also have a story. I talked to Jaquez Jones, the former Ole Miss linebacker, plays at Kentucky now. Talked to Jaquez last night. Wrote that early this morning. Uh, that's up on the site. Uh, also Justin Rowland, who is the publisher at CatsIllustrated.com, uh, dot com, covers Kentucky for Rivals. He and I did the question and answer thingy, and uh, that's up. At rebelgrove.com and also my mailbag brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors. My two hundredth mailbag, which oh. is how about that? Two hundred mailbags. Number two hundred is up.
2: I um, credit to you and Whitney McNutt in that. Yes. <laughs> credit both of us. <laughs> Uh-oh.
3: Whitney and Clay and I'll know how these things work. That's we'll we'll have a, we'll stuff. have a drink. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's up at rebelgrove.com as well. So if you uh, if you're looking for something to read, there's There's a lot,
2: there's a lot there. Uh, yes, Lane did say Piggies could have played last week. Dors. that is uh, <clears throat> that is correct. Yes. So I would assume he will play this week. I would assume so, barring setbacks that we are unaware of. Correct. Which are possible, awesome, but
3: it's almost probable that some uh, somebody on the team has had a setback this week.
2: It's what's fascinating about, and we're going to Mike in just a second, but it's what's fascinating about this running back thing, as I was writing, is Judkins is potentially the only one, quote, available out of the four. So then, I mean, it, it, as I asked you yesterday, does Bullock play? And you're like, well, you can't put a gun to his head. Um, you've got Woolard. I mean, like, how do you, what, what do you do? I mean, I, I'm assuming you give Judkins the rock 30 times, but.
3: I would assume that he's a big part of it, and then I'm assuming you're running the quarterback a yeah. lot, which is probably something that they are uh, nervous about. Yeah. Get back into that habit that burned them a year ago. Yeah. To the point that it might have cost them a shot at playing for the national championship. If we're just being real. They went 10 and 2, and they lost at Auburn with a hobbled Matt Corral. I'm not saying that a healthy Matt Corral wins that game. Not saying that at all. But but a healthy Matt Corral gives, shot than they had gives you a better shot at winning that game and if yeah. you were to win that game again if you were to win that game and everything else plays out the same way you're and maybe and, and maybe it wouldn't have you're eleven and one and I don't know yeah sure you'd have one loss at Tuscaloosa yeah so so we'll get to uh, we'll get to Mike I gotta pull that number up might have to uh you pay a bill real quick if you'd like
2: sure i can uh i can do that i'll tell you about g and m pharmacy 662-236-2222 they deliver locally in the oxford area and they offer MedSaint. if your prescription's the same day each month and take care of you one delivery one pickup you have everything you need when you need it with g and m also available in holly springs with tyson drugs and if you need to transfer your medications to g and m it's one call they take care of the rest they make it easy to switch from a big box pharmacy. So G and M six six two two three six two 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 two. It was dial dialing like Here here as we speak.
3: I always worry about this because um, it pops up as, uh, don't know that. That's really pop up as spam risk, but I might need to remind him. That it's spam. I think I'm going to do that now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he said, give him five minutes. No. Okay. 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 Cool. Um. Yeah, we'll do that. Not a problem. Uh. Let's see. What were we talking about? Um. Injuries and such. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I okay. don't know. You know. <laughs> Kentucky gets Chris Rodriguez back. I've been calling him Craig Rodriguez all week. Have I mean, you really? Yeah. The sure Craig appreciates that. He probably does. The they, little press they get uh, they get Chris Rodriguez
2: back. Uh, Stoops was pretty coy in his press conference regarding him, and you could tell he was almost kind of still pissed at him. Like he was sort of, sure. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go too far on what he's doing for the team when he comes back. I'm obviously he's a hell of a help, but not gonna, not gonna go there.
3: Uh, well, if you watch, um, if you watch their film, and I watched some of it yesterday taping with Pete, their offensive line's been an issue. Mm -hmm. Frankly, Levis has played a lot better than Levis is getting credit for playing. They they don't get enough credit for what they are like at linebacker where they're pretty damn good, and they don't get enough credit. I don't think Levis gets enough credit, and that receiving core gets enough credit for how good they are because they've – They'd be hell on wheels with the better offensive line. Sure. I mean, they're, they're, that right tackle gets just beat a bunch. I mean, Levis has, Levis has traffic around him a lot and has managed it. And, man, he's good. I mean, you watch him on film, and he is legitimately good. I don't care about all the stuff that people say about overrated. And, no, no, he does, he does a lot of stuff really well.
2: Stoops is very dry. Doesn't say a lot. It's not whatever. He just sort of kind of lulls you to sleep in a way when he, when he was talking. Um, I was hunting running back quotes, but he <laughs> – I thought – I wondered a little bit if he had gotten a little, like, toned down since the Calipari thing because a couple times when – he could have said something and was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna not gonna go there today. We're not gonna do that. We're not gonna do whatever." I mean, he seemed very trying to stay out of the fray yesterday. They're in season now. Not gonna not not gonna go that route.
3: Yeah, he he doesn't need distractions at this point or anything. He's kind of pro style, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's an Iowa guy. Yeah. A lot of talk that that job might come open. I mean, he,
2: he's he's in a good spot. He just know if you were him. I don't know. I, I don't know. i t- take the home stuff out, just job wise. Probably not. Feels even. Yeah. So I mean, it would depend on how
3: much going home meant to him. Yeah. And whether that's even home anymore. He's been in Kentucky so long. He's invested in bourbon. He's invested in horse racing.
2: <laughs> I mean, he's he's good. I mean, shows you the screwed up schedule too. In the SEC, that he is going to get better with the with the the five the six three profile is that he's never been to Oxford as Kentucky's head coach. Yeah, they have not been to Oxford since Jeremiah Masoli was the quarterback at Ole Miss. No, it's flawed. Two thousand ten. Yeah, it's on twelve year cycles, right? And it won't be in through a couple years. It's, right, it's over. But no, it's, right now, it's on twelve year cycles. It's flawed. It
3: sucks. And yet, they go to Mississippi State every other year. You know, yeah. it's bizarre.
2: Because somebody would ask him, like, hey, you know, whatever. And he goes, I don't know. It's my first time. Hadn't been there. Got nothing. Yeah. I mean, I, they were abusing Julian Whitehead last time. that Ole Miss won the game. Dude's been in the league a
3: decade and hasn't coached a game at vaught hemingway What does that say? I mean, it's incredible.
2: It really is, dumb. Yeah, it's stupid. We, we over sort of overlook it yeah, and go, yeah, it just is the way it is. But, no, it's stupid.
3: All right, Mike's ready. So we're going to get Mike Griffith on
2: now.
3: Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great, Neil. Man, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Mike Griffith covers uh, the SEC, Georgia, for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He's also a contributor to the SEC Network. You had your power rankings up recently, and I thought they were pretty interesting. Um, because there's a really big game here in Oxford, as you know, Kentucky and Ole Miss on, on Saturday morning, huge. just a huge game. And I, I was I – was been working on this the last couple of weeks, just kind of playing around with it, like how big of a game is this. And, and in doing so, I, I was tracking back um, the, these two programs. and I, And look, finding a starting point can be a little unfair, but it, it is what it is. I went back to Ole Miss the end of 2020 – they played in the Outback Bowl. They beat uh, Indiana. then they went 10-3 and last year, and they're off to a 4-0 start. And my ULM math told me that that means they're 15-3 and in their last 18 games. And I was like, I wonder what Kentucky is. And they're the exact same thing. They're 15-3 and in the last 18 games. Now, obviously, there's two programs in the league, Alabama and Georgia, that are head and shoulders above that plateau. But nobody else, Mike, is really even close – To fifteen and three in their last eighteen games. Not Tennessee. Not Texas A and M. Not Arkansas. Not Auburn. Not LSU. And again, that's that's not exactly fair. But over eighteen games, it's eighteen games. It's a season and a half, if you will. When you look at it from kind of thirty thousand feet, Ole Miss and Kentucky program wise. Before I even ask you about the game, where are those two programs in terms of SEC
4: hierarchy? Well, Neil, it's a, it's a great question, you know, because you and I know how fluid things can be and how quickly things can change. You know, we, we've seen what the Sam Pittman hires done for Arkansas. Conversely, you know, we've seen what getting rid of Gus Malzahn's done to Auburn. Um, and things can change quickly. Um, the, the thing that strikes me about Ole Miss and Kentucky, and you see in my rankings I have Kentucky 4 and Ole Miss 5, um, the thing that strikes me is that both of these programs, I believe, are at very pivotal points. They both have windows right now. You know, you just mentioned that great stat. You heard me typing and I'm using your notes again. It's like doing mobile. You come up with some great stuff. Fifteen and three in the last eighteen games. That that's jaw dropping, right? It really is. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a big yeah. Do number, they take yeah. advantage of this window? Do they take advantage Kentucky's got a window to beat Georgia this year. Old Miss has a window. With with Jack if if Jackson Dart continues to play like in Zach you know this recruit that Georgia was all over and couldn't get you know the TCU transfer they've got a window it's not often that you're going to be talking about Ole Miss and Kentucky if we're going to be frank playing, playing a huge game playing a game that matters that could have repercussions for the SEC championship game I'm not one of these people that just say oh, well you know I'm just signing off on Bam and George yeah it should be it should be Bam and George sure. Those are the two most talented programs. Those are the two teams that have been there the most. But we've seen other teams slip in there before. We've seen Arkansas appear. We've seen Mississippi State play in the SEC championship game. We saw Steve Spurrier at South Carolina get into the SEC champion. It's not a given. Florida, Dan Mullen managed to get there one year before he was fired. It's not a given. All right, Georgia could be beat in November. Alabama could be beat Saturday. So. Absolutely, these programs right now, with where they're at, pivotal stages within striking distance of being SEC championship contenders. They've got to strike, though, Neil, because you and I both know how quickly things can change, and neither one of these programs is well positioned in terms of their NIL. Uh, compared with some of the other programs with more resources than
3: football. Yeah, I think it's a huge game. I really do. I think whoever wins this game wakes up on Sunday morning in the national conversation and wakes up on Sunday morning with people around the program going, exactly what you just said, which is, okay, here's an opportunity to strike here's an opportunity in this new era of college football where everything that used to be whispered about under this. Now, you don't have to whisper it anymore. You can get out a, a, a damn, what do the cheerleaders have, the megaphone thing. Michael, yeah. You can get out a megaphone and scream it at, at the top of your lungs um, That what you're going to do. And so it, this is, it's an opportunity to, to get excitement going for either one of these programs if they win because I, I don't know Kentucky's immediate schedule after this. But I know Ole Miss is. Ole Miss gets at Vanderbilt. Then they get Auburn at home, nothing against Auburn, but Auburn doesn't look, Auburn looks like it could be chaos by the time they get to Oxford. Um, I mean, Ole Miss, if they win, if Ole Miss beats Kentucky on Saturday, Mike, they're probably 7-0 and when they head to LSU on October the 22nd, and that's going to put them somewhere around, I don't know, 6th in the country going there, and then... After that, it's at Texas A&M, and I saw where you had A&M ranked, and I agree with you completely. I think they're really overrated. I mean, it's not completely inconceivable if Ole Miss beats Kentucky on Saturday. And, again, this is a lot of ifs. But if they beat Kentucky on Saturday, it's not inconceivable they get that shot at Alabama in at Vaught, Vaught-Hemingway in early November.
4: No doubt. And, and, you know, Kiffin is a guy, uh, that, that I believe has been great for the program. I'll be honest, I was skeptical at first. Um, you know, I, but Lane has made the most of this opportunity. I, I like who he has become. I like the energy that he's brought. Um, I think he's, ex- I, I think he's what Old Miss needed. I think he's been a, an image enhancer for a program that, quite frankly, needed that. And, and he's, he's, he's done well. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a great marriage. I think old Miss needs Lane. I think Lane needs Ole Miss. I know I've heard this, you know, he could go to Auburn talk. I, I don't know why you would, I, I, I to me, I, that's not a necessarily a better, it's certainly not a better job right now. And and I don't know that it can be. And And Neil, I don't know how much you've gone into it, but if anybody understands the dynamics of Alabama and Auburn, it's you. And with the NIL, I think Alabama's advantage over Auburn is going to be even more pronounced moving forward. And so, I don't think Auburn is as good of a job right now, right now, as Ole Miss is. So, I, but Lane does—he has said a couple things that I would want to ask you about on okay. the show last sure. year. He's he's kind of called out the fans a little bit, and that surprises me because I've seen Vaught Hemingway, and it's just such a great theme and yet it's 93% capacity and five other, is, is, is what is what is lane is it not been what it could or should be neil um no i
3: think it's a, a number of things right it's it's been september they've played three games in four weeks and look you know you look around the country it, you see this kind of everywhere and i think this is where coaches they get in their in their bubbles and they just You know, the football season for a coach is such a grind and they just don't see anything else. And and if you surround yourself or if you end up kind of getting surrounded with a lot of young people, the way Lane does, probably a lot of people who just tell him what he wants to hear. I don't know that there's anybody Mm -hmm. around to say, hey, chill out, back off. It was it was crazy for SEC games last year. LSU here last year was was nutty. Texas A and M here last year game day was here. It was insane. Saturday is going to be a bonkers. If if Ole Miss the Auburn game in two weeks is going to be bonkers. If anything resembling what you and I talked about a minute ago is is here in early November, the Alabama game here will be historic. He. he it was ninety something degrees. They were playing Tulsa. It was the third game in four weeks. It was it's the third of four games in five weeks at home. They played Troy, Central Arkansas, which was scintillating, um, Tulsa, and then you got and then you got the SEC slate coming. And right. I just think it was a hot day. It was a three o'clock kick. It was a bright sunshine, ninety something degrees. I just think a lot of people said, you know what. We're going next week. We're going next week. Uh, and, and, hey, there's, inflation's a real thing. And this isn't a, a knock on Lane or Kirby or anybody like that because, God bless them, I, I'm always for people making money and having success. But I do, think, I do think you can get to a place where you have so much money and so much success that you, you, forget, you forget the challenges faced by every man.
4: That's a great breakdown. That's absolutely, I I, I think you nailed it. I I hope somebody records it and sends it to Lane. I I know he's got the best intentions, and and you're right. I know what you're saying. These coaches get in this. The other thing these coaches do, it amuses me, and, and Kirby's just as guilty as anybody. They get in these bubbles where, like you said, when they've got all these yes people around them in their football building, they start to believe that everything they say is automatically true. Like Kirby Smart stood up there and was telling everybody what a good football team Kent State was. He said, you guys might think, but we got the tape. <laughs> yeah, well, we got scoreboards. Yeah, right. and Oklahoma beat that team 33-3. to And Washington beat that team 45-20. to And Kent State is 0-17 all-time against the SEC. <laughs> and Kent State doesn't have any players in the NFL, and they haven't had anybody drafted in tw- since 2014. I don't want you to tell me that 39-22 to was because Kent State was a good football team and we have to give them credit. That's horse
3: crap. Of course, and when you're and when you're getting on the fans for not packing the upper upper decks of of the Georgia Stadium, those are the same people who nine months ago dropped thousands to go to Atlanta and then to Miami and then to Indianapolis, where the hotel rooms were like a. $1,200 a night. I mean, those are the same people that, that dropped that coin. Come on. It, it's, it's, it's fine. It's part of your job to market. It's part of your job to, to do that stuff. It's just, it's just disingenuous. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. I mean, I would.
4: Here's what I think they should do. I think Lane should send out tweets at halftime to go over the scoreboard because that's what he does best. <laughs> Forget the press conference. Let's just all have. In fact, let's just tweet with Lane. After games, if he gives the same sort of responses, no. If he if he gave those responses that he gives on Twitter and press conferences, Neil, it, it it'd be unbelievable. But instead, it's Twitter. So I, I think we ought to just like retweet tweet back at him during press conference. You know, and you can't build Twitter <laughs> bird when Lane gets a question. That would in, act, in all seriousness, that would actually be what really what funny. Is is with the run game. Uh, and it's interesting because Spurrier was kind of like this, you know, he's kind of, uh, you yeah, know, I, 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 I want to slow the roll on modern day Spurrier because Spurrier was a Heisman Trophy winner and won seven conference championships in 12 years. But in terms of the offensive genius, in terms of the ability to adjust in game and just like Spurrier there is a sneaky good run game behind the behind lane Kiffin's pass efficiency and quarterback development and i've seen it again yep. and i'm really intrigued by this game i'm re- this is this, I can't wait to watch it. This is going to be a great football game.
3: I know. I mean, I've mean, i been excited about this game for like seven months because you could look at the schedule and you could go, okay, Ole Miss is going to be 4-0. We're not going to really know a whole lot about them one way or the other, but they're going to be 4-0. I thought Kentucky would be 4-0. I thought they would win at Florida. They did. And, that, and they've they've played around with Northern Illinois and others, and their offensive line looks kind of shaky. and. Yet I love Levis, and and I, I, you can you can see so much potential in his game. I don't mean for right now to win the Heisman or anything like that, but you can see when you watch him kind of on film and with football people who know what the hell they're talking about, and they sort of show you some things. You're like, oh, that's why the NFL likes him so much as a potential face of a franchise. There's just a lot there, and you see Jackson Dart's progress week to week, and you see this game, and and, and like you said, the league's kind of outside of the top two, sort of wide open, and I'm going to ask you about the top two in a minute, but it's a super interesting game, and I, I have absolutely... No, I, Unlike the f- first four games that we've covered where you're like, Ole oh, Miss is going to win. It's just kind of a matter of how they win or whatever. I don't know that Ole Miss is going to win. I don't know that Ole Miss is going to lose. I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of, a lot of respect for what uh, Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky, and he's got a really talented quarterback, and they've got a really good defense, and they get Rodriguez back, and there's just a lot of stuff. It, I think it's a super exciting game.
4: Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, being at a basketball school has worked for Mark Stoops, and and I wrote a column earlier this year. I thought Mark Stoops overstepped his bounds when he challenged John Perry. Now, look, I'm I'm speaking to an audience here that knows all about Cal. He was at Memphis and and nobody's slicker and 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 I've got a respect. I've got a respect for Cal. It doesn't mean I've always liked him, but Neil, I've always respected him because the guy's a winner, and and he always comes out. Even when you shouldn't come out smelling like a Rosie does. And that's the thing I kinda like about him. Like nothing sticks to this guy. But he's been a winner. I, I want to say eight or the nine, eight out of the nine, eight or nine times out of the twelve years he's been at Kentucky, they have either won the SEC outright or won the SEC tournament. That that is that's that's a fantastic stat. Now last year you can say, Well, you know, they lost the first round of the you know, they beat the two teams that played for the national title. Kentucky beat both those teams by double digits in the regular season and killed Kansas at Kansas. So the guy can coach, all right? The sure. guy can recruit, the guy can coach. And what he's done, you know, maybe it, you know, maybe it doesn't meet, you know, some blue blood, bluegrass standards, but it's still pretty damn good. And there's still a basketball school. Now, enter Mark Stoops. He's had some success. This was the first time, I think, since 1978 that they've been ranked in the preseason top 25. But, Neil, this isn't going to surprise you. This statistic is not going to surprise you. Mark Stoops is the longest tenured coach in the Power Five ranks of FBS to have not won at least his division. If he's anywhere else and you go ten years without winning your division, you don't make it. You don't go that long at all, but you don't go that long at at Texas a and You you don't last anywhere else ten years without at least winning your division. So for him to decry this basketball school thing, he was out of bounds. Number one. You gotta know your place. And Kentucky is basketball. And Alabama is football. You don't you don't hear Oates going, We're we're a basketball No 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 <laughs> don't even go
2: there. <laughs>
4: Bruce Pearl, the marketing genius is smart enough to say, We're an everything school. Yeah, <laughs> Right? He's yeah. gonna try to take the plat. He gets it, right? He right. understands. Rick Barnes but Mark he's kinda like Mark. Mark, calm down here. You you haven't won anything yet, okay? And, and you've done a nice job for being Kentucky. But you've lost 12 or 13 years in a row to Georgia, okay? You haven't played. You're one of only two schools in the East that hasn't played in the SEC championship game ever. You've got the second-smallest stadium in the league, right there with Vanderbilt. So, slow the roll. Yes, you passed Bear Bryant as the school's all-time winningest coach. But it took you 10 years, and he did it in eight with an 11-game schedule. So let's slow the roll. So so that's sharpen the edges. Now, I'm going to give Stoops credit because he's fired back. I've been on those conference calls with him, and nothing rattles him. He's more determined than ever, um, plays that underdog role. Uh, but I love, I just love the contrast of Stoops versus Kiffin and Kentucky versus Ole Miss. These are two programs that have found their way to moderate success, as I said, on the doorstep of being within striking distance for conference championships. They've done it their own way. in a conference that chews up and spits out so many great coaches, because get it straight, nobody gets to this league without being a great coach. There's no such thing as a bad SEC football coach. you got to understand that. To get to this point, you got to be the best of the best. Now, once you get here, you might get spit out. But just to get here, oh, he was a terrible. No, he wasn't terrible, or he wouldn't have been hired. No, that's a great okay?
3: point. Sure, these
4: mm-hmm. these coaches have found a way, and it is so intriguing to watch this matchup of styles. Because to your point, I'm not. I don't know who throws for four hundred and who runs for three. Who's going to do what? Because the defense is. Uh, you know, Kiffin's done such a great job, and I loved his answer when someone said, "Well, what's made you such a, a defensive guru late?" He said, we got better players. I I wanted to stand up and applaud the honesty. It's simple as that, Neil. we got better players, he says. Yeah,
3: I mean, he he learned. I mean, Look, the guy grew up in the same house with Monty Kiffin. I mean, he's been around football for a long time. It's not like Nick Saban sat him down and said, okay, so here's how this works. I mean, he learned a lot of things from Saban, but he learned a lot of things from Pete Carroll. He learned a lot of things from his dad. And here in the last couple of years, it's been like wild to watch the transformation of this guy physically emotionally uh from a maturity standpoint i mean he's a totally different guy than the guy that took the job in december of 19 and then COVID hit and he just sort of disappeared for a while and people were like man this this is weird this might not work to Hey, what can we do to get him to stay for as long as possible to that kind of thing it's yeah. it's It's a remarkable transformation so how do you see how do you see the game playing out? I know you watch these teams. you've watched Kentucky a lot them over there in the east with the noise they've made the last couple of years. How do you see it playing out?
4: You know intangibles you know it sounds so cliche, but it's going to to me it comes down to intangibles it's, it comes down to momentum plays. Uh, you know special team I think these teams are really even I really do I, I think Kentucky's got an edge uh with with the quarterback play Levis, as you pointed out I mean he's been in that system a while now okay and and this is this year one for dart so you got to give Kentucky a bit of an edge there and that they've got the quarterback in the second year in the system whereas as you pointed out darts getting better week by week you almost wish this game was in the eighth week of the season when darts even further along you know because you just know how lane teaches and we saw that i saw that with Jonathan crompton at tennessee way back when his quarterbacks get better and better and better he's he's in there's very few people that can develop quarterbacks like lane kiffin i count him on one hand and that's part of what makes him so elite. Yeah. So if he gets the resources, he's going to keep bringing in the best quarterbacks in the country. There's no doubt about it. I know JT Daniels had great interest. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to, you know, he was unable to go anywhere until after the spring because he couldn't get a release. Otherwise, you might have had JT Daniels there, too. Who knows? But point is, this is a well respected uh, quarterback developer, but it's early in the year. So I, I give Kentucky a touch of an advantage there. Conversely, uh, this is the first game back with Rodriguez. So, now, what does that do to your offense? Well, you say, well, it's an immediate bump. Well, is it? Because now you're trying to get your, your bell cow running back back into the flow of things. you got to be careful not to force it. What does the game situation date? How rusty is he? Is it fresh legs? Or is it a guy that hasn't had enough handoffs to get the first couple cleanly? So there's some intangibles in this game that are going to be fluid. And, and I believe momentum. I mean, the game is at that, that can That could be a huge advantage. But know this, Kentucky is game. They went into the swamp, and it was as raucous as it's been in probably a decade. After coming off of that win over Utah, um, so much confidence. Those Florida people go from 0 to 100 in five minutes of conversation or football. We know that. We've talked to them. We've dealt with them. They went into a very difficult environment and beat a Florida team that had a ton of momentum, and they did it with their defense. So here's what it comes down to. I put it back on you is Dart ready to win a game like this? Because I think he's going to have to make game-winning plays. I don't think he can manage this. I think Jackson Dart and the Ole Miss offense have to win this game.
3: I agree. I do t- I completely agree. I mean, I think if you look at it from a logical standpoint and you're Kentucky, you, you, you simply say, okay, we haven't seen your receivers create the kind of separation. You haven't hit those explosive plays. If you hit them, t- uh, hats off. But we're not going to let you – run the football down our throat. We're not going to let you have 250, 300 yards of rushing offense. We're going to take that away, and we're going to make your 19-year-old quarterback beat us. And if he does, kudos. That, if I'm Kentucky, that's my strategy. I say I, there's, I'm not going to let Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins and that offensive line beat me. I'm going to make that quarterback beat me, and if he does, good luck the rest of the way.
4: It's a great, Neil. It's a, it, it's a great. It's. It, it's. I'm excited. It's. It's Dukes versus Kiffin. It's the offensive mind versus the defensive mind. Both of these teams are balanced. Um, it's. It's just. A, it's a. It's a hell of a football. It really, really is. It's exciting because we don't often get these sort of matchups um, this early in the year and catch both of these teams undefeated. As I said, both arrows are pointing up. Both these teams are contenders. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for Oxford. I'm part of me. I'm going to. And in full transparency, I'm going to LSU and Auburn because Auburn plays Georgia the following week. But I kind of had it in my mind to maybe ask my boss if I could go to this game. <laughs> selfishly, well, you know, Kentucky, you know, because I did the Tennessee Florida game. But yeah, no, 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 no. We got to keep it tied in with George a little bit tighter. But I, I just this game is this is a game I want to see. I selfishly would want to be there just because of you know two programs on a rise and two coaches on the rise that are matched and embraced by their culture colliding and and there's just not many programs you know I would say these are why well, I sit here and I'd say these are two of the top 10 teams in the country the rankings pretty much tell you that that says a lot and when's the last time Ole miss in kentucky we're both in the in the brink of the top ten, or if not, in the top, I can't even think of uh, another time in history.
3: Not in my lifetime. I mean, maybe back in the '60s or something. I have, I, I don't know. I'm not the. I'm probably not near the historian. During the at, uh, Paul Bryant,
4: maybe during the uh, ba- the Bryant Kentucky era.
3: Yeah, ma- maybe Johnny Vaught and yeah, something like that. I, I, I don't know. Let me ask you this, because I, I don't have you forever. Um, Alabama's got four really interesting SEC road games starting with this week. And I think we lost, because Arkansas sort of choked against A&M, we lost a little bit of what could have been the build up for this one. But you got at Arkansas, they've got to go to a Tennessee team that's really playing with confidence. They have to come here to Oxford, and they've got to go to Baton Rouge. And Brian Kelly's team might be a lot different by the time LSU gets, you know, Alabama gets down there. Your opinion, does Alabama run the table in the SEC West on these, on these, on the SEC on these road games or does somebody
0: get them? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system. Yeah, that's
4: a great point. I hadn't looked at that schedule like that. But I, if you're asking me if I'd take Bama 4-0 or, or drop one, I'm going to tell you they're going to drop one on Mm-hmm. I, I just listen. Bryce Young is fantastic. He is everything he's supposed to be. Um, I, I was a doubter. I, you know, I went out to California uh, doing some work on JP Daniels, uh, and of course Bryce went to the same high school out there, modern day, And I know you got a lot of great high school fans in that area too, so they're probably aware of the Trinity League and 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 those those high schools out there, St. John Bosco and and modern day, which are like, I don't know, better than some junior college programs. It's, it's just remarkable that California could have that good high school football, but those, those schools really are. And, and I talked to the opposing coaches of Bryce Young, as well as his high school coach. And Bryce is just, he, he's remarkable. He, he, he is the college version of Drew Brees. I mean, this, this is a guy who moves, who makes decisions, who thinks on the run, who can hurt you with his feet, who can, you know, um, extend plays, but he's one man. And I don't believe that they have the skill position players, particularly a receiver, that they've had over the last five or six years. There's a drop-off there. And Jermaine Burton's a kid I covered here. He's a good kid, nice kid, but he's not in that league with Jameson Williams. He's just not. And and I just don't – and that's going to be hard. Now, I like Jameer Gibbs, but he's one man. Um, now, what Bama has is, is an incredible defense. Now, I don't know that I think it's to the level that Georgia's was last year, But I do think it's good enough to win some football games with turnovers, um, you know, being assignment sound. Uh, It's just the challenges that you just mentioned, though. I mean, Arkansas is going to beat you up. Now, they're probably going to win that game by two or three touchdowns, but they're going to be a little beat up because Sam Pittman, you know, probably, you know, another great hire. Just one of the more remarkable stories. We could do a whole show on Sam. That team plays physical. I was up there for the South Carolina-Arkansas game, and there's going to be some energy in that place. I was blown away. By uh, Northwest Arkansas, so that's going to be a physical game. Then you said Tennessee, yeah, and Tennessee's got to buy this week, by the way. That team is on fire, and that stadium is on fire. And I, I lived there a long time, and when they get momentum, it's 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 a scary thing, good or bad, as Lane can tell you. As mattresses are still placed. <laughs> so, and, and then you mentioned, you know, the the other game, Bama could LSU. I. I'm not sure what Brian Kelly has personnel-wise because he's had to do a lot of – he's had to change the culture. He's had to turn that – this is a great football coach, folks. Let me tell you something. I don't know how it ends for Brian Kelly at LSU, but this is one of the most accomplished coaches in history. If you go back to his Grand Valley State days up in Michigan, I mean, there's a reason why he's Notre Dame's winningest coach. And I know we all shrug because it's not the Notre Dame of the 70s or the 80s even. But this is a hell of a football coach. And if he can get that culture behind him, he's absolutely a threat to take over the West. But he's got to get the culture behind him. And that's going to be challenging because he doesn't talk like a lot of the same people down there. And Ed Orgeron was so immensely popular as a person, there's always going to be loyalists lingering. And you know the danger of that from your years at Auburn. You know? So to me, it's fascinating when we look at big picture West but uh, it's a really long answer to your question that, yes, I do think Alabama will lose one of the next four. But I still think that they could win the West.
3: Yeah, oh, oh for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're the favorite to win the West. I just look at their road schedule. And you, that, that Texas game, which was a unique deal because, God, they were fired up in Austin. And they pointed at that game for a long time. They would planned for that game for a long time. Uh, Gary Patterson had put together a defensive game plan for that game for months. They They were – imminently prepared but that's not an elite Texas team and they were just a scintilla of a of a of a fraction from from beating Alabama I mean Bryce Young escapes a a sack that would have put that game on ice for the Horns and you look at the rest of their schedule I think Arkansas uh Tennessee uh certainly Ole Miss and, and and LSU are all probably better than texas right now so
4: isn't that kind of an oxymoron elite texas team that's kind of an oxymoron
3: yeah we just keep trying to make them elite and and they're 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 not we i'm as guilty of it as the next guy i think it's just the big you, you know
4: what you know what it's like you know what te- texas kind of reminds me like when we were little we thought like breakfast cereals were good you know like, what, did, what, wait a minute fruit loops was that really that good no no mm-hmm. it's really not we just we we do we just sign texas the branding—you got to give them. I mean, that brand—it's
3: fantastic. He'll stand. Yeah, it's the horns and the the burnt orange and Texas and yeah, it's just—it's a great brand. And when they when they are good, like in the Mac Brown heyday, I mean, they were. God, it was must watch television. Been a minute. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been, a,
4: it's, it's, been it's been a minute. Now the Arch a Manning. Decades. Thing, holy cow! Did I just say Arch Manning on an Ole Miss show and He's going to Texas. The Georgia people can't believe it either, by the way. But what did, what, what was that figure on how much Texas spent on that recruiting trip, Neil? Oh, uh, like two hundred eight thousand or something. Yeah, that's what Mike Leach pointed out. Like,
3: it was some, something, 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 something preposterous. Insane. Yeah, insane. Look,
4: the bottom line is that kid wants to go somewhere where he can just air it out and. And and I talked to David Cutcliffe about that, and in, in another well-respected you know old man of yesteryear. And Cut kind of hits around at things; he never really comes out and does it. But he kind of said, "Well, you know, you, you know, maybe maybe you know that he didn't really want to go here, and he didn't really want to go there because this would upset you know this uncle, and this would upset that uncle, you know." So so maybe Texas was just kind of the. You know, this isn't going to piss anybody off. If he goes to Georgia, Peyton ain't going to like it. If he goes to Bama, Eli ain't going to like it. So if he goes to Ole Miss, he's never going to be you know his granddaddy. But here, he could be himself. So maybe there is something to be said for that. Although I got to wonder, after they lost to Texas Tech, if are, are we positive that Arch is going to stick with this?
3: I bet on it. Yeah, I bet on. It. I'll tell you the day that I think Georgia. The day that I think Georgia lost Arch Manning was the night that Georgia won the national championship. That's what I think. I think if Georgia had lost that game, Arch Manning was committing to Georgia. I think he wants to go someplace where he can be the guy. He wants to go someplace where he can be the brand and where if they win it, it's his.
4: Right. Makes you know, sense. you
3: go to Alabama, like if you go to Alabama, you're just the next, next guy to win it. If you go to Ole Miss, you're always compared to Eli. You're all, everything's Manning, Manning, Manning. If you go to Georgia now, they've won. I mean, they've already won, which leads me to my next question. Are they going to win it again?
4: Yeah, you know, not with where they're at right now, okay. I mean here's the thing, it kinda reminds me of Alabama last year. You think about it, in week two Alabama darn near probably should have lost to Florida. We got outplayed by Dan Mullen skaters. If Mullen, you know, two point conversion, you know, it just yeah. that Alabama and they and they didn't and then they did lose to an eight four Texas A and M team. So Bama wasn't Bama. Uh, I mean, hell, they they were down. I'm, I was sitting there at Jordan-Hare Stadium. It was 10-0 going in the fourth quarter. I'm thinking, jeez, this is, you know, and then and then Bryce happens. And then 13 plays in 97 yards later, and I'm calling, that guy's got my eyes in the boat. This guy's, and then one week later, they're putting 41 on a defense that has five first-rounders. So, you know, teams can evolve and get better and grow. And when you lose what Bama did after 2026 round draft picks, you're, it's going to take you a minute. You know, it, much less. I mean, it, it, the fact that they even made it back to the SEC championship game is remarkable, much less won it, dominated it, frankly. Um, so can Georgia grow into that perhaps? I, but I feel like that they don't have the ceiling, And, and I, I hate to say this, Neil, because Georgia fans get so angry with me and I don't want to upset anyone, but I just, I got this true serum thing. I, I just don't think Stetson Bennett has a great ceiling. I don't want to be mean or ugly about it, but when we talk about players like Manning's or Bryce Young's or, uh, you, know, uh, you know, for that matter, uh, you know, Stroud, uh, you know, it, Caleb Williams, I mean, there's a reason why, don't get mad at me. There's a reason why Georgia went after Caleb Williams. Okay? They. They just won a title with Stetson Bennett, and they were trying to get Caleb Williams. Now, don't don't be mad at me about that. There's a reason why Stetson Bennett was the third-string quarterback going into last season. That's not my fault for pointing that out. So, to me, it's incredibly hypocritical for Kirby Smart, and, and I and I love covering Kirby. I mean, there's 99 out of 100 things I'm going to tell you that's great that make him a championship coach, and Jordy wouldn't trade him for anybody. He's perfect. He's never, the the glass is never full. He always wants more. He's never complacent. I mean, he has all these incredible qualities. But for him to call out the media for not respecting Stetson Bennett? Hey, wait a minute. You're the guy that had him third string. You're the guy that recruited Jamie Newman and JT Daniels when he was on your roster already. You're the guy that started Dwan Mathis over him. You're the guy that called him a bonehead numerous times. Why is the media disrespectful for picking up on that? So, what Stetson's done is remarkable. It's a story. This is what I tell the people, and, and I hope they get it right. I'm not a Stetson Bennett hater, but I'm also not a revisionist historian. Stetson Bennett is not the story of a player whose talents were overlooked. Okay? Stetson Bennett is the story of a player who hung in there and got better each year and cashed in on an opportunity to lead a team. But it's not like, oh, y'all were wrong about him last year. No, we weren't. No, we weren't. <laughs> watch the film. Watch the Florida game. Watch the SEC. He made bad decisions. He couldn't make intermediate throws, you know, and he didn't have the, the uh, qu- you know quarterback qualities of more skilled quarterbacks because he had never been the first-team guy in an offseason. Well, now fast forward one year, Neil, and Todd Munkin, who's offensive genius—I'd put him in the Kiffin category—has had an opportunity to design an offense around Stetson's strengths. Stetson has worked on his footwork; he's making the intermediate throw. Game one, Dan Lanning, who was the defensive coordinator for Georgia, saw Stetson every day. He he said, "You know what? I'm going to make Stetson make those plays that he couldn't make last year." And Todd Munkin knew that Dan Lanning was going to make Stetson make those throws and those plays that he had made last year. And he designed an entire offensive game plan around that, and they completely out-schemed Oregon. It was 49-3. to But did you know Oregon outrushed Georgia? Did you know both teams had 14 first downs in the first half? Hidden numbers, but Georgia's execution, proficiency, efficiency, Stetson Bennett's improved play, decision-making, intermediate throws, footwork, not making bad decisions. I want to give this guy credit for the improvement he's shown. I don't want to say that he's been this great all along and they just missed the book, because that's not true. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been the third stringer. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed J.T. Daniels. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed Jamie Newman. Otherwise, they wouldn't have started Warren Mathis. So it's not like the media just missed. That's absolutely an incorrect vibe. The truth of the matter is this is a player that deserves a ton of credit, for getting better and sticking with it and believing on in himself. It's an incredible story, as I wrote. We don't need – Hollywood doesn't need the revisionist history, okay? This isn't a guy who's out there doing community works and love school, okay? That's not him. He just wants to play football. Simple as that. He's a 31 ACT, but he doesn't love class, if we're going to be honest. We don't need to change that narrative. We like the renegade, right? We like Lane Kiff. You don't have to fit in a box and – and be you know, perfect anymore, and be on Disney Sunday night for America to like your story. In fact, we seem to like the people with the most warts and the most issues that have overcome it because that's real life. There's no doubt about Georgia that. Georgia has some real life issues right now, Neil. They're not running the ball well in the red zone. They have red zone issues. They got a very low touchdown ratio compared to Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee. They got a good defense, but it's a young defense. They just had a DB get a DUI, a starting DB. They're down two players at the star position. The transfer from West Virginia hasn't worked out. They're, 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 they've got, but, the, but they've got a schedule that's conducive to them getting better. Right this week at Missouri, following week home to Auburn, following week home to Vanderbilt, bye week, Ooh. Florida in Jacksonville. We won't find out until Georgia, until the run of Tennessee at Sanford Stadium, at Mississippi State, and at Kentucky in November. So that's a really long answer to your question. Could they win it? Yes. Will they? The odds would probably be against it.
3: Mike, you're awesome. Really appreciate the time. I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, followed your work for as two decades, as you know. I think the SEC network needs to put you in the big chair. I've told people that. Um, maybe one day they will. I hope they do. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you spending some time with us here. Hope you have a great weekend.
4: Likewise, Neil, and obviously I saw you, and as I, I said on Memphis Radio, you know, you're a guy that could be anywhere in the country you want to be, and I'm, I'm glad you found a place that you and your family really like, and I'm glad that program's got it going. I'll be tuned in Saturday.
3: Oh, you're kind. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon.
4: Yes, yes sir. That
3: was Mike Griffith, AJC, SEC Network. I've known Mike. I used to be in a uh, – back in the newspaper days when I was covering Auburn and Mobile, Mike was covering Tennessee – I think Andy Staples was covering Florida, Glenn Gilbo was covering LSU, Scott Kane and Bob Kirk, Bob Holt were covering Arkansas. Uh, Joe Person was covering South Carolina. And we did this, we saved each other so much time. We did this Sunday quote swap. Notebooks, where we just notebooks, notebooks. We notebooks. just got quotes from our and just mass emailed them to everybody. <laughs> Because we all had to do this SEC notebook. And, like, no. But you had those quotes, and you're like, oh, okay. I, I'm, let me get to find a good quote. All right, I'm going to add a paragraph to that. Note. Uh, there's something on LSU. Note. Tennessee. Note. Look up. I got, how many, I got 20 inches. Done. We saved each other so much work with that. But those were some talented dudes.
2: What's the inch per word? 38, 40, something like that? I don't Is know. That what It's it,
3: been a minute. I don't. Remember.
2: I haven't. I mean, I haven't spoken that language in a really long time. But I think it's like, yeah, thirty-eight, forty, something like that. You know, if he's right about Alabama and Georgia being
3: fallible, this game's even bigger Saturday. If he's right, and look, Mike's really good. He's covered some good teams. He's covered some awful teams. He's covered the league for a long time. If 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 Georgia's vulnerable. It's a hell of an opportunity for both Tennessee and Kentucky this year.
2: Because they've got time to improve. The stat pack was interesting because just looking at it, Alabama looks more vulnerable than Georgia. I get Saturday happened, but you know, in general.
3: Here's what's interesting playing on Alabama for a minute, because I agree with you. I and I think if you made me do the over under three and a half, over under four road games for Alabama. Do they go over or under? I think I go under. Are we talking about Saturday and Fayetteville any differently if one kick goes through, if K.J. Jefferson doesn't fumble? Do you know what I mean? Let's say, let's say for the sake of this conversation that K.J. doesn't fumble and they score there. It's 21-7 and Arkansas ends up winning 35-17. to or what's the, is the conversation different? Because they were one play away from that happening.
2: Or if the kid makes the kick
3: and I, they I, win I guess my point to is,
2: You mean on a larger scale is is Arkansas a contender? Because no, as far no, as the no, actual game, no, 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 no. 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 hold on. As could, far as the actual game, are we not saying the exact same thing either way? Because we look at it and go, "Hey, Alabama could lose this game." But no
3: one's saying that. I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm going on. Oh, Alabama's going to blow them or out. Or
2: I guess put it this way. In a one-off, they're as vulnerable as they are potentially in these other games. It is a game that potentially they could lose out of the four, because we're including it, I guess is my point. Sure. We're saying there's four games they could lose one, and it's one of the four. Sure. I just think it would be – Now, maybe not to the level that we're saying it about, I guess, Ole Miss or Tennessee.
3: Yeah. I just think there's more buzz if – more buzz if you – Look at if you look at the game in Fayetteville from the perspective of Arkansas being four and had they been four and It's I've had some people and I don't buy it for the record. I'm picking I can go ahead and tell you in Neil's picks tomorrow, I, I have I have Alabama winning and covering. I think I think they win three scores. But there are people out there going, Hey, watch this game. Watch this game. It was a it was a bad matchup for Alabama a year ago. Watch this game. I don't buy it. The one that I think's the most dangerous for them is at Tennessee. You
2: think it's Knoxville?
3: I do. I think, is I think Knoxville. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. They go to Fayetteville, Knoxville, Oxford, Knoxville. and Baton Rouge. Yeah. That's a hell of a run now this year. I think it's Tennessee. I think Tennessee is I think Tennessee can score on anyone. And all they gotta do is produce just a little bit of defense in that game. Grind says Arkansas covers and it goes over. I do like the over. I think Arkansas, Arkansas scores on everyone they play. Defensively, they're deficient.
2: 11 and 1 Tennessee would have a chance if they lost to Georgia and beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have to play the title game. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, I'm correct. Yeah. You and, Georgia's
3: got, and Georgia's got to go to Lexington. And in a scenario where Kentucky wins this game, Kentucky has one realistic hurdle between if it if it leaves Oxford with a win, it has one realistic hurdle between that and a showdown in Lexington with a hell of a lot on the line, and that's they gotta go to Tennessee. Which is that's a hell of a hurdle. But that's the only one. And Tennessee's before Georgia. Yeah. Georgia's at the end. I mean, just saying. If he's right, if these two teams are more human than we're making them out to be, it gets the whole the whole league gets really interesting in a hurry. And look, if you're Ole Miss, I mean, I I I hate to overplay because we've got to do a show next week if they lose. But if Ole Miss wins, Ole Miss becomes a really big story until at least October twenty second because I don't think they're losing in Nashville. If you told me that they played sloppily and didn't cover, I'd buy it. And I don't think they're losing to Auburn. And 7-0 Ole Miss ranked seventh in the country headed to LSU is a big damn deal.
2: And it's Ole Miss is where you're walking into a Hornets nest. Yeah, always, it. always
3: love it when people are like you. You hate Ole Miss. You cheer against Ole Miss. No, my pocketbook's cheering for seven and zero going to Baton Rouge. I promise you,
2: that would be a good week. could, right. could let, make that week work. Let me just tell you,
3: I I can pull up analytics on downloads right now, and I know I know what is happening with our downloads. I know what happens if Ole Miss keeps winning, setting up bigger and bigger. So you think
2: whatever it is, nine and zero Ole Miss hosting Alabama, on November twelfth, wouldn't be a
3: it would be yeah, nine yeah, nine and no. Oh. yeah if they got there. That'd be nine and no. Oh. Yeah, I think
2: L S U and A and L. I think we'd get some downloads. Yep. Everybody'd be literally locked in that week. Yep. Yep.
3: Hey, been a lot of good a lot of good reporters have come through Mobile. Ted Miller, Mike Griffith. A lot of good dudes worked in the Mobile Press Register. A lot of shady cats, but A lot of good dudes, too. What was his name? Uh, Brent Schotenberger. Big-time investigative reporter for USA Today. Yeah. He replaced me on the Auburn beat when they promoted me to columnist. Really? Yeah. Hardcore.
2: How long did he stay on that role?
3: Uh, A couple years. Yeah. Tom Murphy was in Mobile for a long time. Tom's great. One of the, the best guys covering... He's probably the best reporter on the Arkansas beat right now. Been up there for a while now. So be careful throwing shade at Mo- <laughs> Mobile Press Register. There was there was a time that was a hell of a. It's also
2: well funded there for a while.
3: Oh, it was, we we called it the cash register. Go wherever. I just turned it in.
2: Two papers covering Arkansas, because they merged the Northwest one, northwest Arkansas papers into one, right? So I think so, it. yeah. You all right? Yeah, my phone was blowing up. Okay. It was actually Justin Rowland responding to the five questions thing is what was oh. popping, so that's what okay. it was. Yeah, it was something to do with, I don't know something about making a pick or not making a pick or something I don't know oh, I, didn't, he didn't, I didn't read the whole thing I just saw the he, thumbnail he
3: he didn't uh he wasn't ready to make his prediction yet probably okay. because they have a prediction piece that comes out later in the week okay it's fine yeah no big deal <laughs> it was really good his his contribution to it was better than mine it was it was good All right, it's one of the sites that I look at they do a good job
2: what's their basketball football split
3: I mean, it's a basketball... Sure, yeah, you know, as it should be. But they're doing a lot of football right now. I mean, this is a... Like he said in, in one of his answers, my first question was how big of a moment is this for Kentucky, and it's big. I mean, it's big. If Kentucky wins this game, they're, this is big. They will have gone to Florida and Ole Miss and won. That's... I mean, suddenly... Oh well. Suddenly you're having a different conversation. I'm just telling you, whoever wins this game wakes up Sunday morning having a different conversation. Yeah. Period. No matter what happens in Fayetteville or Auburn or anywhere else that day. Whoever wins this game wakes up having a completely different conversation on Sunday, a big conversation. Whether you're ready for that moment or not, whether you want to have that conversation or not, and I assure you Lane Kiffin probably doesn't want to have it yet. But you're in the national championship mix. The winner of this game is in the national championship. It's in mix. front of you at that point. It's absolutely in front of you, where maybe you could even stumble once and get there. The winner of this game absolutely moves up a level this year, no question. Period. And the loser of this game's got to get up and roll, and it's going to be disappointing because you got to kind of you'll have to. Get back going again.
2: Well, in the later half of the schedule, it's just kind of back to back to back to back. And I get that you at least got to prepare for Vanderbilt, but they do get a break a little bit of going. for Sure. They can go. It's perfect. The se- and then get back going.
3: And then you get Auburn here. Yeah. And Auburn, look, Auburn's got to play LSU. Then they got to go to Georgia. Yeah. I mean, the, odd, be. the odds of Auburn being chaotic by the time they got,
2: get here is really, is really high. Yeah. stumbled across it um this morning espn ranking best nfl quarterback combos in league history far from a draft standpoint and then their 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 careers ben roethlisberger and Eli manning coming in at number two on that list from 2004 so just a um, little old miss note there for uh for that and it's it's as of now because i mean number three already is josh allen and lamar jackson and josh would have a chance to Drag up that list, if you will. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, number ten on the list. Yeah, not a surprise. Number one is um, John Elway and Dan Marino. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> okay, those are two. Those were <laughs> dudes. Now Elway, Elway. only well two Super Bowl wins between them. Yeah, Elway was. Say so Eli and Ben have four. Elway was a stud.
3: Big, physical, could sling it. Guy used about arm talent. We didn't use those words back then. That guy had arm talent oozing out of his pores. I mean, I know Marino did too. Yeah, sure. But Elway, it didn't matter whether he was playing in the wind in Cleveland or in the snow in Denver. He could throw a seed.
2: Nothing impacted him. Played 16 years, something like that. Yeah, I mean, they went to, what, six Super Bowls? They won the last two in a row with Terrell Davis and those guys. Uh, By the way, speaking
3: of quarterbacks, there's a lot of breakdown of Jackson Dart, also of um, uh, Will Levis coming up uh, tomorrow on the uh, Pete's Pigskin Preview. It's brought to you by Walk-Ons. Walk-On Sports Bistro puts everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch, Louisiana cuisine. Po' Boys, Gumbo, Voodoo Shrimp, plus fan favorites like Juicy Burgers, Fresh Salads. All of that in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today, also tomorrow, on MPW, The uh, Butcher versus The Spin Instructor, brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. Uh, They'll be open all day Friday. They're going to open on Saturday at 2 p.m. So if you're leaving the stadium after the game and you're uh, looking for Maybe you don't want to fight all the restaurant crowd and stuff, which will be, I'm sure, a zoo on the square on Saturday night. You can go to LB's and grab uh, all the freshest cuts, turn on the uh, the night games on Saturday, and have a great time.
2: A few different little quick hits here. Um, one, uh, Aaron Judge, he goes 0-for-1 with four walks on Tuesday. People Oof. people were frustrated, but he saw 6.6 pitches per bats Very hittable pitches, just... Didn't do anything with him. He's them. pressing. Oh, he's, it's, it's all in your head at this point. He's human. Yeah. It's harder to hit a baseball when you know what the next baseball you hit means.
3: When they're when you come up, they're having to cycle out the balls to bring oh, in the God. new balls, and it's a big deal, and everyone stands up, and everybody's at cell phone. Yeah, it, yeah it's
2: he, not just playing in the dog days of July no, when we're just up at the plate, and no. we get a home run. And it's he
3: knows. Whatever. I mean, you read about what Roger Maris went through that when he in. did it. And that was then. That was 60 years ago. I mean, nobody had a cell phone.
2: No, you get the scribes in the paper the next day is all I mean, you got. What there. he
3: dealt with was everybody was cheering against him. Oh, fair. <laughs> yeah. Now everyone's cheering for Aaron Judge, and he, 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 I'm sure he feels pressure.
2: Yankees did clinch the AL East last night. Braves and Mets tied atop the NL East. 97 wins apiece. Wow. Yeah, they've had a race here as Atlanta has played really good baseball to catch them in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, most Mets fans are in abject horror because of, <laughs> typically it does not work out. you see where the? Uh, well, you know what, the Mets
3: didn't make a move at the deadline, and they uh, should have, and they didn't, and and they deserve to pay for it. This is going to sound self-serving. But a year ago, they got screwed because they got beat on a deal with the Cubs. They traded away Pete Crow Armstrong, who's going to end up being an elite major league center fielder. And they they traded him, making a move. They were trying to make a run. It didn't work out. This year, they should have traded for Wilson Contreras, who would have given them another bat, would have given them some depth at catcher. He can DH. He can play left field. They didn't do it because they were like, well, you know, 1% of this over five. No. and And the message that you send inside your clubhouse is, not really sure you guys can do this. You've got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, for God's sake, Mm -hmm. in a playoff series. Yeah, you can do it, but you had to add the bat, and they didn't do it. They deserve to lose. Every bad thing that could possibly come to them, they deserve it. It's on ownership.
2: So you're pulling for the Braves the last two weeks of the season?
3: Yes. There's only one team that I would cheer for the Mets
2: over. And they won the NL Central yesterday.
3: I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: Did you see uh, Richard Blyer, the Marlins pitcher, get called for three balks and one in bat last night? I did.
3: Night? I did. He was about to lose his mind.
2: He had not been called for a balk in 296 innings prior to yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and three and one in bat with Pete Alonso at the plate. His blood pressure <laughs> was like
3: 400 <laughs> over 280. <laughs> the loved ones in his life were like, please make this stop. He is going to – that's literally what I think
2: – It defies logic because – He going to
3: explode.
2: Because when someone balks, typically you just go, hey, you did this. Okay, kind of. Cool. Like, it's stupid. It was – yeah. And It's September the 27th, ump. The season's almost over. It's the freaking Marlins. Yeah, you're calling it Stop. now? What are we doing? Yeah, I mean, you can do that
3: in spring and go, hey, you can't do that.
2: Yeah, heads up, fix this now yeah. before –
3: but on September the 27th? When nobody's called it all year. I mean, you're fortunate you didn't get assaulted.
2: Mattingly got tossed. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to get tossed. Then Blair got tossed. Yeah,
3: the manager had to come out and get tossed. <laughs> it did take until the third one, though. He didn't get tossed after the second one. Yeah, the second one is when Mattingly has to come out and go, okay, look, two things. I'm going to say whatever I have to say for you to throw me out, but then what are we doing? Stop. Just... It's- This is stupid. You're going to get, he's going to kill you in a moment. (laughs) Now, I'm going to call you a, you know what, sucker, and I need you to throw me out.
2: Do you think that word actually gets used a good bit? Well, I I watch. I know how cliche we are. I watch John Boy.
3: Yeah. And I mean, Aaron Boone's cursing is elite.
2: Oh it, it's, it, it's it is spectacular.
3: a his ability to use the <laughs> f word in so many it's different every part of
2: speech every part of speech can be that word and for... he can do it
3: extemporaneously I mean the situation pops up <laughs> and he's like, you know what I'm going to use it as an adverb and here he goes it, it is it is fantastic he's not a great manager, but he's an elite c- cursor S- i mean an- amazing i mean so creative he is so creative as a cursor that it is m- amazing, and the stuff that he says, so that his team can hear him say it, oh yeah, yeah. is just man, I love that guy. I mean, I, it almost makes me a Yankee fan. Ooh, I know, and I don't really like the Yankees, but his the stuff he does with young umpires early in games is fantastic.
2: Go ahead and get get going and plant it's the It's just great.
3: You can see young umpires just, I'm not listening to you, I'm not listening to you, I'm not listening. And yeah, they're listening. They're hearing every word.
2: Well, he's intimidating some of them.
3: Sure. It's his job.
2: Because they know i got to deal with this.
3: It's his job.
2: I, if, I, if I don't give him this call, i got to deal with that in a minute. Yeah. Happens in college a lot. You'll see certain coaches get some benefits because it's like. Sure. Because they're not major league umpires. They're Sure. He's the accountant on Monday to Friday. Yeah.
3: And I mean, Major League umpires are getting crucified out there, and they're getting 96.7% of the calls right. It's hard. But the 3% that you miss, the pitcher You're gonna wanted You're going to hear about it. The pitcher wanted them. hmm And they're getting critiqued in real time back on iPads in the, in, the, in the tunnel. That's true. So Aaron Boone, when he's yelling, he knows that you missed that by a quarter of an inch, and he's on you. We have to have that call. Be better. Be effing better. You're off to an effing bad
2: start. It's great. Busy day tomorrow. We have Jeffrey. We have Justin Rowland speaking of uh, Kentucky. I'm assuming Ben Mintz tomorrow night. Yeah, Ben
3: Mintz tomorrow night. Got a lot. Got a lot. It's going be, gonna to be a Thursday. Going to be a Thursday. Got that
2: coming up. Some other stuff, too. So, full slate of podcasts here this week. Tons of time from Mike Griffith. Appreciate his uh, – his minutes today with you remember to uh, check out rebelgrove.com a lot of stuff there as well written spoken just a lot of words any way that you would uh like them so um keep our attention turned toward florida as ian making an appearance at some point this afternoon and we're we'll back with you in the morning so thank you thanks to mike we'll talk to you again very soon
5: everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium